Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Maccabee Griffin. Maccabee runs the podcast Beyond the Pen. He's also a voice actor, a character developer. So much fun. We talk a lot about uh, basically creativity and just uh, get really in-depth in it. It's a lot of fun. Please check me out on Instagram at NewerKidWi. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everyone. My guest this week, Maccabee Griffin. All right, welcome to another episode of God, Yay, or Nay. I'm here with Maccabee Griffin. <laughs> I had to say your name, uh, pronounce it a little bit, but Maccabee Griffin, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks for having me on here. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I really uh, love uh, having episodes that we kind of talk about creativity, the creative process, and uh, mm-hmm. not only are you involved with that, you do a lot of voice acting, you're a podcaster, you uh, develop characters, which is really cool. Uh, you also have a interesting background as well. You uh, were a veteran as well. So uh, maybe give us, uh, give my audience a little bit of your background and then how you kind of transitioned from uh, coming out of the military into doing all this creative work. Yeah, absolutely. So again, like you said, my name is Maccabee Griffin. I'm a voice actor, uh, podcast host of Beyond the Pen, and a uh, creative development, a character create creator, I, I'd say, um, for authors and any creatives alike who just need new characters for themselves that are fully fleshed out. Um, I grew up in the theater. Uh, I've been singing since I was six. I've been doing stage theater on and off uh, since I was 14. Um, I even went to school for it uh, at a local community uh, university called Vincent's University here in, uh, in the Indiana. Um, it's down south uh, of Indiana. And um, I was going through, and this will tell you how my age is, um, I was in school uh, at the beginning of the millennial, um, <laughs> the millennium. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm old, I know. Um, and then when 9-11 hit I wanted to get into the military to just be part of something bigger than myself Uh, unfortunately the Air Force at that time thought I was too crazy for them Uh, they actually sat down and said that I was legally insane with multiple personalities Um, I actually looked at my recruiter said and I'm an actor where do you think I get the characters from (laughs) Um, he really didn't like that answer. So I had to wait until uh, 2005 to get into the army. Thankfully, all I had to do is just say, hey, yeah, I, I may be crazy, but at least I can keep a job for a peri- long period of time. They're like, you're fine. We're good. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a great thing between Air Force and the Army. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I did two tours in Iraq, uh, one for 15 months and one for 12 months. Um, got medically retired after nine and a half years uh, because of mental health, um, and then went to college at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, for a uh, about a year. Um, some things weren't 
really working out for me mentally wise. Uh, I was having difficulties just focusing a little bit. Plus I was trying to deal with my mental health anyways, after that. Um, and then obviously I had a new, my youngest son was on the way. We were getting a new house. There was a lot of stress in my life. Let's mm-hmm. just say. Um, and then I got into working, left school, went to work at a naval uh, base in Indiana as well. Um, worked there for a year until they decided to uh, lay me off uh, during that time. And while I was still working there, a uh, colleague of mine introduced me to a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors who sat around, rolled dice and played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and uh, it's called Critical Role, and no one knows that that is. Um, and they just inspired me to get into Dungeons and Dragons and uh, once I got another job at a pharmaceutical company, I became a dungeon master for a bunch of coworkers. Nice. And through that time, I just really, it, it helped me to get that, you know, scratch that the- theater itch in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just continued to inspire me just to get back into, you know, acting again. And one of the um, actors from Critical Roles, his name is Talison Jaffe, one of the greatest of all time voice actors and producers um he actually uh made a comment on one of his and it was that um if you're you know don't let fear keep you from doing what you are passionate about if you want to do it go out and do it Mm -hmm. and it just like you know what i'm not going to be a stage actor i'm going to be a voice actor that's Mm -hmm. what i want to do and so i started to do that i found by research um found a company in uh, Connecticut to, uh, or excuse me, Vermont, excuse me, to uh, get me into voice acting. Uh, they said that my voice was marketing, uh, marketable. And so I've been doing it ever since. I've been doing it for almost, uh, almost three years now. Um, during that time, I was still working full-time at the pharmaceutical company. And then, uh, you know, COVID hit and I couldn't wear a mask over my my nose uh, within the uh, environment that I was in because it was very humid in there and very you know painful to breathe sometimes under that mask and so uh, they laid me off and uh, that just ma- basically meant God was saying nope you're doing this full time from now on nice yeah, absolutely. And I've been doing it ever since. I've been able to do everything from narrate a TV series that I'll be airing on TBD sometime this year, hopefully, um, as well as a uh, do a couple of voice uh, character voices for a short animated film in Amsterdam uh, that's been going around all of Europe and into the U.S. It's actually going to be um, a new uh, film festival in Iowa uh, this month, and it's won so far. It's won five awards out of the I think eight that it's been at, eight or nine that's been at. Um, and you know, just other variety of things. I've been able to do a bunch of uh, small promos for businesses around the U.S. and uh, a couple things overseas. So. Yeah, that's, that's pretty uh, much everything. Hey, that's awesome, man. And uh, I love how you were saying, like, uh, D&D kind of got your spark back, like your creative spark. Uh, it's funny how that uh, that game is so amazing for that. It's just, um, even I, I played it a few times with my friends and that just got me going like, oh, this is fun. And like, 
kind of like working with my voice again, eh? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's the great thing about it is is that it helps you not only to create something that's logical enough, even if it's fantasy, um, it's allowed me to think on my toes when it comes to creating things. Um, I have all my minis that I've collected over the years to right above me right now, actually. Um, You know, things like uh, this guy right here. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, a, yeah. that's a belay. Uh, this is a, uh, a ghrelin. Nice, nice. So there's this variety of things. They, they help me to create the characters sometimes, especially with the, the creature voices that I can do here and there every once in a while. But I try not to do them too much because I destroy my vocal cords if yeah, I get for I, long enough time. Yeah, I bet. Um, so you... You like you say like you help other people now like develop characters and develop mm-hmm. background stories of characters and just like to build a story right yep yeah, yeah. absolutely uh one of the things that and this is a great thing that i'm working on right now i'm i'm doing a beta service right now with authors or just creatives in general um to not only to really continue to work on the skill of mine but also to, you know, work, continuously work with people um, and to create these long-term relationships. So I'm looking for at least 25 uh, authors slash uh, screenwriters, scriptwriters, anything that's just very creative and content um, to just sit down. I do it a variety of ways. One is just basically just to sit down and be amused to work out characters you've already got and see if we can develop them even more and just make them feel more realistic mm. so that the, the, the reader can actually feel like they are the character. Because as writers, that's exactly what we do. We keep create characters that allows the reader to be that character. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I do is I actually have uh, a stockpile of characters that already have backstories uh, that have uh, family lineages on a couple of them so far, um, as well as some fictional, historical, and mythological uh, events that I actually provide for people that they can uh, buy from me after these beta services done that they can use in their uh, in their books or as a baseline for their as inspiration for their books. Uh, I would just hold on to the rights for them for five years, and then after that they can have and do whatever they want with them. Um, The final thing that I do is I actually sit down with the author and we just actually just create the narrative from characters that they want. Um, And I use, I come from, instead of from a writer's point of view, that's been, you know, grammatically correct and all this other stuff, um, gone to school, has degrees in literature and English and everything. I don't have any of that. I don't. I come from a actor's point of view and someone who actually looks more at the characters than I do the actual narrative, Mm. because if you can't, if you don't have a good character, it doesn't matter what your story is. No one's going to listen to it. No one's going to connect with it. They're just going to like, Hey, it was okay. It was enough to to save time. A hundred percent. So like, just for like myself, because this is kind of popping up uh, ideas in my head, because like I've definitely started um, having a kind of a comedy character uh, start mm-hmm. coming up in my own head. 
and uh, I can kind of kind of see it as like an an animated show that I kind of want to create in the future. And Mm -hmm. I start I'm starting to see the character and like kind of their uh, little bit of their traits and everything. So how would you like uh, recommend uh, for me to kind of get more in depth into this character, go to uh, to build this character and have a character connect with people more? Well, first off, uh, specifically, if it's like if it's based off of you, look at everything that you do as a comedian, look at your own personality traits. And when I say when I when people want to actually base a character off of them, I always ask them to go and find 10 people that they know personally, besides their family, some friends, coworkers, and just tell them some specific characteristics that they believe you are or that you present to them and keep those and write all those down. Then go to your family members and do the same thing mm-hmm. and take all those, all those, those personalities and the ones that you really feel that you want to present more of take at least eight okay okay? and and here's the thing i always tell them eight strong or uh give me some strong personality traits that you know of me and you feel that i'm great at and then take my weakest points too Mm -hmm. because when you do that then you get a fully fleshed out character it's called the humorous uh theory uh humorous theory excuse me um, and this was something that uh, was based from Hippocrates, and uh, I believe the guy's name was Galero, uh, okay. back in ancient Greece, and later after that, a variety of different uh, psychologists uh, that really worked on uh, the personalities itself, like uh, Jung and a few others uh, in the modern time. And you use those. Like for me, I use. I use a baseline for all those, but I roll dice because I want it to all be random. Every, every character I've ever created is all random. And then I work all those traits in to develop a character. Hmm. So for instance, I had a character that was um, a female who was, who was a, uh, lesbian and by the way before anybody starts to get on me like oh you're a man you don't know anything about a lesbian's life you don't know the person gotta go i have friends that are lesbians okay <laughs> i'm in the theater i homosexuality is like a thing with theater okay <laughs> you cannot be in theater and not be under be somebody that's not in the lgbtq plus community okay yeah i got plenty of people anyways and trust me i use them as a reference point yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay to make it real even from a male point of view mm-hmm. anyways so i created a character that was again using the humorous tra- uh theory um who was outgoing but she was still somewhat in uh she's not a lot of an extra i'd say she's about i'd say she's about 50 extrovert, 45 introvert, Um, but she's still stable. But the things that I rolled out specifically for her was that she was shameless, that she was very self-absorbed and, but yet she was still warm-hearted. She was a people person. She loved to help people um, and some other things. And I created this character and honestly a complete story 
based off of those personalities. Um, I try to use it just as a baseline as a, for the backstory. But after I explained it to a, a few authors, they're like, no, that's not a backstory. That's an entire series of books. <laughs> um, but that's how I work. And I do this um, using historical facts, historical events, because not only is everything internal, but as we grow up, we have that environmental, you know, the environment versus nature kind of uh, feel when it comes mm-hmm. to our, our own personalities. We have our families, we have people in our community, even national and international events that do make an impact on our lives. We've seen it with, you know, gas prices in Russia hitting, you know, Ukraine and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I do all of this. And thankfully, because of Dungeons and Dragons, I can literally do this in an hour with somebody. I can have okay. an entire story, a baseline for an event that hits on it, anything. And then when you, so like when you get these character traits, so you kind of like, you're saying you want to get some strong ones, some weak ones, just so you can build like a fully functional character that has their uh, strengths and weaknesses. Cause if you don't, yep. then it's to one side of the character. Right. That's not fun. That's actually, right. honestly, that's been my biggest criticism of Superman. Like the guy has like zero flaws mm-hmm. and you're like, how the hell am I supposed to get entertained by this dude? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the other thing. Even Superman has flaws. We just don't see them as much. Okay. There's a lot of things that he, he does that people don't recognize. Um, to me personally, that's someone who doesn't completely look at Superman. And I know there's going to be people like, oh, no, he doesn't have any flaws. He is straight perfect. Or they're going to be like, oh, yeah, this guy was messed up completely. <laughs> um, but that's the great thing about superheroes. The reason why we connect to these heroes, especially anything from the golden age of comics, you know, with Captain America, with Wonder Woman, Superman, all these superheroes in the DC world and the Marvel world is because they have something within them that we connect to that creates the empathy between us and that character. For me personally, I love Beast from X-Men. Okay. The guy is one, he's got strength, he's got agility, the guy can literally walk on the ceiling. I mean, come on. And the guy's intelligent as can be. Mm-hmm. But he also has to deal with a lot of things. You know, he's a walking blue furred man. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. So he has to deal with not only the external hatred and the fear from other people. There's probably at some point in his life that he had to deal with a lot of things not coming his way because the fact of what he looked like even though he could do any job anywhere he was it's just the things outside that he had to deal with Mm -hmm. so that had to deal with a lot of insecurities that he had to go past there's a lot of um just there's so much with him that it just makes him such a great character he's a flawed character even even though he knows everything there's a point of him he's very arrogant at some point there's mm-hmm. a lot of points where he's very arrogant, mm-hmm. but he's confident. So he's always playing that line of confidence versus cockiness kind of kind of way. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love him is because he can still be confident with what he does. And he's just blunt. He will be very blunt with you in many points. Yeah. So that's you know, just a, yeah, that's just an example. 
Yeah, and one thing I've uh, kind of noticed, like even kind of building my comedy character on stage and seeing other comedy characters, and then also like thinking about how to make screenplays with different characters. It's one thing you find out is like people almost fall in love with the flaws more than the, your strengths almost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, because it makes them more realistic. Because unfortunately, in our world, we deal with a lot of negatives. We see a lot more negatives than we do positives. So when we can see somebody, even though they're extremely successful, we still want to look at their flaws and say, you know why I like this guy or this gal is or this character is because of A, B, C, D, and E. I can connect them. Look at uh, look at all the fandoms that are out there galore. You know, there's a crap load of them from the old stuff to the new stuff. You know, I'm going to pull out Harry Potter just because it's one of the major ones Mm -hmm. that's always been out there. Look at how many people not only connect with Harry, but they also connect with uh, Dumbledore. They connect with um, all the friends, even some of the supporting actors that are not on there very long that they still can feel a connection to. It doesn't have, that's a great thing about characters. You don't even have to be a major protagonist. You don't even have to be the antagonist. You can be a supportive character and people will go right after that character more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's a great thing about when you write characters, even if they're in there for like five seconds, if you can see that and they say one thing or do one thing that makes you go, I love that character. I want more of that character. Once the author hears that, they're like, oh, I got to develop this character more. I got to bring him back to to life more and give them some more parts. Look at, I I think one of my favorite stories was from, um, uh, oh Lord, what was that? Uh, It was a a Sylvester Stallone uh, movie, The Expendables. And it was, uh, oh my gosh, I can't, I just blacked his name, blacked out his name. Um, big bulky, big bulky black guy, bald, is on AGT. Um, uh, God, I remember, I can't remember his name. Anyways, his part in the movie was just supposed to be one little part. That was it. It was just mm-hmm. one little part, and then he was gone. He was supposed to be something that was again expandable. <laughs> um, but because of who he was. And because of the way that he presented this character, they added more lines to him. They added more scenes with him, especially at, at a major part in the film where he actually went and he saved the rest of the people that were supposed to die. They changed that entire script specifically for him. And because of that, that one thing of him being going to work no matter what, doing what he was doing, and then some, he was able to do everything he wanted to do. He And because of that, he got more jobs. He got more things out of it. And that's the great thing about it. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's what it is to have a great character. Is someone can actually look at a character that's just out in the background and then bring them straight forward because somebody with a lot of people said, Hey, I want more of that character. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I like how you described that too. Um, 
So like when you do have this character, you're talking about their weaknesses, their strengths. And then you were saying like, you like to kind of take it to maybe a historical event or mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe some sort of mythology or something like something mm-hmm. to be able to place that character in an environment and then you can kind of play off the environment and the character together to kind of yep. build on the character more and get more in depth yeah absolutely uh by the way that was terry cruz that's what his name yeah is. okay I, I, yeah. I was actually thinking the same guy i haven't I seen gotta, the expendables though unfortunately yeah. i i hate when i forget actors names because it, it's, it's <laughs> like almost a disrespect for me just to forget their names when i'm talking about them but <laughs> terry cruz if you ever listen to this i apologize i love you you're a great guy anyways um to answer your question can you repeat it? Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I was saying, um, like, you take the character, you have their weaknesses, your strengths, and then, mm-hmm. like, the one thing you like to do is kind of put them in an historical event, put them yes. in, um, yeah, some sort of story already so you can kind of get more in depth. Yes. Uh, the reason why I do that is because I love using history as a baseline because of the fact that reality is a lot weirder than fiction could ever be. Truth mm-hmm. is it's the same line it's it's the truth literally everything possible around that is just there are so many stupid things that have happened in the world that affect people even today like for instance with the character i just explained earlier um there was a couple events that many people don't know about the lgbtq plus community when it comes internationally one that back in 1533 there was something there was a, a act that was uh, created by Henry the Eighth, or excuse me, Henry the Seventh, excuse me, and was uh, approved by Parliament of England. It was called the Buggery Act of 1533. Now that act alone said that uh, the act of sodomy was considered a capital punishment. So if you were either caught in the in the act or even considered to be homosexual and this went from male or female without consent, even with consent, excuse me, then you were put to death. You were considered put into prison and put to death. Now, many people have thought that this specific act was to actually really um, police uh, homosexuality, but it wasn't. It was actually something that the, uh, the state actually created to put the church into a position where they wanted to separate themselves from the state. Mm-hmm. So giving us that church and state uh, difference. Um, because many of the, many of people in power in the royal families at that time were considered homosexuality or homosexuals. They were either a lesbian or a homose- or gay man, or they were bisexual, or they even were transsexual. There, there were so many different things about history that we don't know, but we do know that there was people in power that did do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So Henry finally just decided he wanted to create this just to create a, a pressure point for the church to say, yes, we're going to do it and we're going to police everybody up or we're going to step away from this because we don't want to have anything to do with you when, it comes, when this crap goes downhill. And it wasn't until uh, 1861 that it actually was brought down from a uh, capital punishment and it was considered just now illegal. And so that you would either do a couple of years of prison time or you were put into the pillars or the stocks, the stockades. Um, 
which was honestly worse if you were in the stocks, especially if you were considered a homosexual male, because you were at the, you were at, you were so just out there for anybody just to mess with you. And if the guards were considered pay, you know, someone that you could bribe very easily, they'll step away and you could do whatever you wanted to that person. They couldn't defend themselves. Mm. And so it did a lot of mental health issues for them back at that time too. And they did this to the females too. And then obviously homosexuality wasn't um, considered legal until 1967 in England. So there's a lot of things that people don't know about that. And then of course, in, uh, in uh, Russia and Chechnya, um, they had the anti-gay purge of 2017. And they actually rounded up 100 homosexuals, put them in a concentration camp, and two of them died. And the government said, we don't do this stuff because if we, we don't have to because family members will actually take them to homosexual, or excuse me, homosexuals do not exist in Russia or Chechnya. And if they did, family members would take them to places of no return, which in turn meant honor killings, which by the way, over 5,000 honor killings still continue to this day every year. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, history is worse than fiction. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, I guess those, if you're trying to like, think of like your character going through stories like that, you're probably yeah, gonna yeah. pretty much get a lot more in depth of what the character would do, like going through something like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're talking about mental health. There's so many things like one of the baddies that I created for her story um, was a group of pallet, a group called the Paladins of Truth. And they were basically just a extremists that uh, extremist uh, religious personnel that actually believed in the removal of anything that committed chaos or disorder in the nation. Mm. And one of the main characters within that group actually had something that was called H-O-C-D. So take OCD, but think of it as uh, add homosexuality to it. And basically what it is, is just the fear of being a homosexual. Mm. Being afraid that you have the traits to be a homosexual and that if you're put in a situation, you will become a homosexual. That's what H-O-C-D is. And it is actually a real mental health uh, disorder. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, uh, <laughs> that's not very nice. <laughs> no, um, but, but people are have this. People do have this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why I look at the mental health stuff. That's why I look at the psychological stuff because that is going to make a character more uh, believable and more empathetic to, or hate hated by someone because of stuff like that, mm-hmm. because people can connect with it because mental health is such an open thing. Me personally, I deal with psychogenic non-epileptic seizures. So basically what that means, and, and I, I, I have to make fun of it because it's P-N-E-S, penis. I'm a male and I have penis. I deal with penis all the time. Um, but it's my way of making fun of it instead of it taking control of me. Mm-hmm. But if my mind, and you, under, and you hear that I say mind and not brain, because those are two different things. Mm. My mind finds a place or a certain situation stressful, it will start creating spasms within my body. 
either I will not be able to speak or my neck will go like this. My eyes will blink to where they can't even open anymore. My mouth will be like this. Uh, I've had these spasms that and obviously other, my whole body, like my arm will go like this and it'll be tight as can be. I've dealt with that from anywhere from a couple seconds. I've had it all the way up to eight hours a day, uh, eight, eight hours straight. Mm. And it sucks. It hurts. It's painful. Yeah. How did like, how did you like get through the military with that? Like doing like two tours in Iraq? It was after it actually, I get and get diagnosed. They actually diagnosed me with anxiety disorder with conversion disorder characteristics, which hits on certain things within PNES, but it's not the entire thing. Um, I didn't get diagnosed with uh, conversion disorder until uh, 20, 2014, 2015, mm. when I was dealing with pain. And I would have these spasms almost every single day. In fact, I had them every day. Um, and there were times where I couldn't even get up out of bed because I was having these spasms sometimes. I, I went to the emergency room three times because Jesus. of it. Yeah. And because of that, they, they medically retired me. Hmm. So. No, I can understand. That's, uh, that's rough. How's it been like lately? Are you getting a little bit better with it? I still make, I take medication. It helps me. Um, but I also try not to worry about anything. Um, even at work, it wasn't, it didn't happen as lot as many times. There would have been, there was sometimes actually when I was working at the the pharmaceutical company um, that I, I was in paralysis. Like my entire body wouldn't move. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything for like 20, 25 minutes. And then I was able to actually move my mouth enough to like, and all, the whole time that I can't move, I'm literally telling myself, like my legs move, my mouth open, my arms move, my body, my body react to something. Mm. So, oh man, I couldn't imagine the, yeah, sorry that you have to go through that. Um, so I I'm wondering, uh, like with the, your issues or like with the dealings you've had with mental health and coming back mm -hmm. from, uh, and going through two, um, tours in Iraq, I'm wondering, does like this kind of help you, I think, empathize with your characters when you're building them, like, or give them more depth because like now you can kind of like, yeah, I think you might have yourself have like a little bit more depth of like human experience. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been able to empathize with characters a little bit more because of my acting background. But that before I went through all this stuff, I was okay on it. I could deal with it a little bit and understand certain things. But after I did the military and I've been dealing with, you know, mental health issues all since then, I've been able to empathize with a lot more characters. That's another reason why I cannot wear, uh, I cannot watch horror films. I cannot do any horror films, anything that deals with torture, or anything like that, because I actually feel their pain. Oh, shit. I physically, feel, I actually physically feel their pain, which is even worse when your wife loves horror films ha, 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 ha. and your children love horror films. Yeah. yeah. Ha, ha, ha. So, like dad, just, we're going to watch this go into the other room. Okay, good. Oh, damn, man. Uh, <laughs> I could see that being a little bit of, uh, that could be pretty rough. I think um, they, they love doing it to me anyways. They love messing with me anyways about it. <laughs> uh when you're like so do you 
like influenced or like encouraged people to use kind of their own personal experiences then when they're building up stories and characters? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Because no one knows you better than you and no one knows this character better than you. Hmm. So if you are basing it off of you, absolutely find something that you want to really embrace. Like for you and your comedy character, um, obviously any of the feelings that you get when you're on stage, when you're creating these jokes, when you're even before stage, the effect of what the audience gives you, what you get from them, even the guys that are freaking just booing you the entire time or just giving you crap the entire time, you know, that anger building up, but yet you're, you're taking it into a different position, uh, uh, a positive point and you're turning it right back at them. Hmm. You're making yourself look better than them. Um, even, after you're off stage, you know, that adrenaline rush after you get off the stage and you can't, especially after a great, uh, a great show, you can't go to sleep for a while. Mm -hmm. I'm presuming mm -hmm. if it's anything like stage, stage theater, once I have a great show, I am like up for hours because of the rush that I have from being a different character and, you know, allowing my transition back into my own personal brain again, my own personality again, mm -hmm. and then being able to just relax and have fun with people around me, you know, that were other actors or just my family or just me being alone. It's like, oh, that was a great, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but these are things that people can't, unless they do it, they don't know anything about it. They don't know those feelings. They don't know those events, those interactions. You know, I'm pretty sure you have great stories of, you know, people that were really great and that you inspired them. They actually come up to you, say, thank you for the show. Thank you for what you do because of you. I'm actually doing this now. Hmm. Or even those people like, dude, you sucked. I mean, you really sucked. And you're still sitting there like, okay, if I sucked, what is it that I sucked at? What about that that I and if they give you some feedback, great. Take that feedback and just move it on. If it's something stupid, then you just throw it away like you normally do. Because yeah. that's who you are. People, if they don't know the life that you live, they don't know the feelings that you're doing through. And if you can create a character specifically for that, everything else is easy peasy. Mm -hmm. That's a great that. thing. Yeah, because if of what I've been told by many authors and for me in general too, when you have a great author or great uh, character, once you have the characters, the story is easy to create. But mm. the, the characters themselves are the hardest thing to come up with. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I would have doubted it. Uh, yeah, before I get out of here, uh, I do want to ask you, uh, just as a comedian myself, um, one thing I've always like struggled with in comedy is my voices. Like I'm, I'm always like, been a good joke writer and I kind of, I don't play around with my voices too much on stage. Mm -hmm. um, do you think uh, just as you, you as a voice actor, do you think that's more of a like nature versus nurture? Like, do you think, well, voices, if, the, if you can't do too many voices, that means you're probably not going to ever be good at it. Or is there a way like with somebody who's not good at like, uh changing his voice too much is there a way to actually kind of develop that skill yeah absolutely there's tons of things out there you can do 
Um, for character voices, you know, the way that I go about it, and every voice actor has a different way of doing it. Um, for me, it's mimicking. So if I'm watching a cartoon, uh, we'll do uh, Lilo and Stitch, for example. Or Hana means family. I picked them up myself. Doing that's pretty easy. But if I'm creating a character with that as a baseline, I can do a variety of different things. Like, for instance, um, I did something like this. Starting out like this, but bringing them down here. And I started to talk to my, my teenager about it. He's like, Dad, you need to bring it down a little bit lower and a little bit more grizzled and stuff. Yeah. While still opening your mouth. Like, okay. So I ran to this. I ran to this. I meant this. And it's very fun. <laughs> <laughs> but there's things like, I don't still do this guy. But I also bring him up here sometimes, depending on what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but there's just learning is so easy. There's so many references out there. You can go out and you can get books. You can go to master classes. There's tons of things out there that you can do to create these character voices. If there's a certain accent that you wanna work on, go out, listen to like a couple of shows that are specifically in that accent and just slow it down. Like once somebody says something, pause it, rewind, do it again, rewind, do it again. And once you feel like you've got at least that line with those syllables in it, go to the next one, go mm. to the next one. That's the best way of doing it. I have a horrible Irish accent, but I take it and I do something else with it. I also, I, I try to be like bring it down to here and then add into like the, the other characters, like bring it down to here. It's so fun to just mess with this voice. Even though it's not an Irish accent, it's still something I can do. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> there's also, you know, for me, I love old black and white movies. I love that. So one of my favorite uh, actors during that time was William Powell, um, Spencer Tracy, uh, Vincent Price, especially Vincent Price, and a variety of other ones because they had what's called a, a mid-Atlantic accent or what many people consider posh accent. So mostly at time, it sounds like this. You do a variety of different ways of talking and, and showing things and for a character voice i can take that same thing and mess with it in some fourth way and it's so fun <laughs> <laughs> but you just have to over time just work with it take an accent and then just move it with something modify it and just make it your own there's so many characters that i've created based on reality like Again, me being a, a voice actor, but also being a veteran, I had to go through basic training, just like anybody else. I have friends that are drill sergeants, mm. and many of them have lost their voice. So now they sound more like this. It's very hard. It's very disturbing, but this is what they sound like. And because of that, I can create characters like him. I can create a variety of different things and it makes it fun when I actually create their backstories or create stories completely for them. So saying all that, 
Yes, it is a little bit of nature, but it's a lot of nurturing too. Okay. So I, that, that makes me feel better. <laughs> trust me. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can go out there and buy you can get books. You can get masterclasses. You can get audios. There's even, um, there's a app that's called real accent. Okay? okay. And there's a variety of different ones that they have. They have three different ones. One is just us accents. One is European. And I can't remember what the third one is, but it has a variety of different people actually who actually have accents that say specific words, specific phrases, and you can actually just repeat the words, repeat everything, and you can actually get a Bronx accent. You can get a Cajun accent. You can get an Irish accent. You can get everything. You just have to continuously work on it, and it's going to take time. It's going to take a couple of years to get it finally where it's like natural. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I don't like, I, I guess that's, that's, uh, I got to put in that time. It's actually something I should just do like uh, mm -hmm. every day, because if I just put in a little bit of time every day, I can eventually start getting these different accents. Because mm -hmm. like, yeah, even like that, I'm getting a little bit better. I've been working on like, just kind of changing my tone. Like it's still in my accent, but like working mm -hmm. on different tones and different emotions when I'm doing my set. And that's pl played are done like such a uh, like a uh, improvement to the way I can like tell my, tell my joke. So this is uh that, that's actually a great advice, man. I'm, I'm going to give that a shot. Yeah. And always start with your own family first. Yeah. Always start with your family every and, time. Like I try to do my like family, like parents uh, accent or my brother and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're a, 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 a diverse family culture, Trust me, I have seen so many, so many great comedians, but also some great actors. That's how they started with the accents and their voices. They always started with the family member because there's certain things. If you can impersonate your family member, one, it's, you know, they'll, they're always going to say, I don't sound like that. Trust me, I do it to my, my family all the time. My family's country, as country as can be. Oh, I mean, okay. I, 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 I was raised by hillbillies. <laughs> I, there's a lot of times I'll just do this and, and, and sound exactly like my dad. And my dad will just look at me like, I don't sound like that. And I'm like, Oh, you, you do. <laughs> and, and my mom will look at me and it's like, yes, you do sound like that. That's so cool. All right. Uh, yo, thanks so much, Maccabee. Uh, I got one more question. It's the name of the podcast. So uh, Maccabee Griffin, God, yay or nay. Yay absolutely yay without <laughs> to me personally without god i wouldn't be in the position i have i would not have the podcast that i have i would not have met the people that i've had i wouldn't have gotten the experience that i've had if i had not listened to god in taking this path as hard as it is as slow as it can be sometimes when you don't have any work coming at you at all to sometimes where you have a lot of work coming at you at all it's all faith it's all faith-based. You, you got to take that belief of faith. You know this more than anybody else. As a comedian, how many take what you can get and just run with it? Yeah, yeah. Ha, 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 ha. So yeah, uh, definitely yeah. Oh, thanks a lot, Maccabee. Uh, let my audience know about your podcast, where they can get a hold of you, and anything else you want to promote, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can go to my website, Mac Griffin VO. M-A-C-K-G-R-I-F-F-I-N-V as in Victor, O as in Oscar.com. And it has all the variety of services I provide. Uh, it tells you a little bit about the podcast, which is called Beyond the Pen. 
And we sit down and we talk to authors that are unknown or newly published to learn about themselves, their book, and the story behind the story so that we can help create that, that digital bridge, between that personal bridge between reader and writer. Um, you can find me on a variety of socials under uh, Mac Griffin VO, as well as on like Twitter um, and TikTok at MacGriff909. Um, and obviously on uh, Facebook under Maccabee Griffin, as well as LinkedIn. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, man. And I'll make sure to toss the the web, or, yeah, your website in the podcast description so everyone can easily get a hold of all of those things. Um, hey, man, this was amazing. And uh, I love the advice. And uh, you definitely uh, inspired me to do a little bit more work on uh, the character that's been popping up in my head lately. Hey, you're most welcome. I appreciate the opportunity, sir. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay! Or nay.